Hello, my name is Ben Schluter, and welcome to the Goal to Go College Football Bowl Roundup and National Championship Prediction, the Friday special, if you would, from the title. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's dive into this. This bowl season has happened, and there were a lot of games that didn't happen because of the whole, you know, everything going on. You're you're well aware of it by now. Um, so yeah. But let's look at the games that did happen. And when I say look at the games, I mean look at the, all of them. Um, although I didn't watch all of them. The first game was the Myrtle Beach Bowl between Appalachian State and North Texas. Appalachian State won it 56-28. It happened. I don't know what happened in it. But what I do know was Nevada Tulane in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Because basically, like, Tulane had a couple of guys out. Um, I think one of them was, like, their entire linebacking core, it was like one whole part of their defense, and it was not due to COVID. It was like opt-outs and injuries that uh, forced those guys out. So, not exactly the best thing to happen. The Green Wave had like a chance in it, but then they didn't. Because uh, Nevada's good. Nevada's got a strong uh, passing attack. You wouldn't have known that by their head coach, who's, okay, yeah, it's Hal Mummy's son. He has a son. I didn't know that he had a son. Uh, and he's coaching college football, and he's running a modified version of the air raid where they actually try and run the ball. Did a pretty good job. I mean, their QB threw for five touchdowns. 38-27. to 27. Then you had number 16 BYU beating the crap out of UCF later that day in the... What does that say? Roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Huh. Raton, excuse me. Yeah, BYU won forty-nine to twenty-three, handing UCF its first not uh first more than one score loss in like a few years, which is insane to think about. BYU just came out there and curb stomped UCF. Zach Wilson, who has since declared for the draft like a few days ago, uh, he had four hundred yards throwing and three touchdowns. They had a running back. His name was Tyler Algier. I'm going to totally butcher half of these names. Or Algier. And he had 19 carries for 173 yards and a touchdown. Just, you wouldn't have expected it. BYU, though, playing a damn good game. Then you had a route uh, in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Georgia Southern beat Louisiana Tech 38 to 3 to snap Louisiana Tech's I think it was 6 or 7 game bowl winning streak, which was the longest active winning streak uh in the country. And not only did they lose, they got absolutely walloped. This game was not close at all. And again, for the most of these smaller ones, I didn't watch it cuz like I was a bit busy not having ESPN. Thank you, not having ESPN. And you had Memphis and FAU. Memphis won 25-10 uh, in the Montgomery Bowl, which, okay, that one is actually worth at least talking about for a couple of seconds because the Montgomery Bowl was created for this year and this year only. There's supposed to be a bowl this year called the Fenway Bowl held at Fenway Park because they really came up with a creative name there. Unfortunately, due to, well, I think we all know what, the do-to is, uh, they couldn't exactly play it in Boston, so they had to move the game to Montgomery, make it a separate whole thing just for this year, hopefully. And, uh, Memphis won the game, 
played it pretty well. Then you had Hawaii against Houston in the New Mexico Bowl. Uh, played, of course, in Texas because New Mexico's been, at, or at least at the time, I think still is under pretty strict rules regarding, like, uh, the everything. If I keep saying the everything, it's because I don't want to mention the thing because it's annoying. But Hawaii won the game 28-14. That was Hawaii's first win on the mainland since 1992. Hawaii doesn't usually play bowl games on the mainland. Because, you know, Hawaii isn't exactly close to the United States. Like, I think it's 6,000 miles or something? The last time they made a trip to the U.S. mainland and won a bowl game was in 1992 when they won, they were co-champions of the WAC the Western Athletic Conference, uh, and they were given the Holiday Bowl bid because the other two teams had won the conference before, and the way it worked at the time, and this was true for many games that had auto bids, was that the team that hadn't been to the bowl in the longest time would get the bid because, uh, you know, want to give everybody a chance. It's nice that way. So Hawaii went to the mainland, they played Illinois, and they beat Illinois, and it was a really... Uh, Really awesome for him. Yeah, I was about to say it was really big, but I was thinking of the 1999 Oahu Bowl, which was coming off of... It was a bowl game they played uh, in Oahu, you could guess based on the name. Uh, And it was a big win after they had come off an abysmal season where they hadn't won a single game. But that's not what happened here. Then you have uh, Marshall and Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl, and that game ended weird. Uh, it was one of Scott Van Pelt's bad beats, and if you didn't see it, here's what happened in it. So first of all, uh, yeah, I'm surprised Buffalo didn't score as many points as, uh, they didn't score but 17, like, they'd been running all over everybody, except in the MAC championship when Ball State said, no, no, you're not doing that, sorry, lol, and they beat them. But yeah, it was a 10-10 tie game with like a minute or so to go. Uh, Marshall is on defense, Buffalo is on offense. Buffalo is taking knees, basically, to try and run the clock all the way down so that they can kick a game-winning field goal and have no chance for Marshall to win the game. But then, on one of those QB sneaks up the middle trying to, like, run down the clock... One of Marshall's players decides to be a complete moron and, like, slam into their quarterback. I don't think it was penalized, but it was one of those hits where it was like, oh, oh, I see what we're doing here. So then Buffalo was like, you know what? Nah. (laughs) Touchdown. Now, if you were a better, this was a problem. Or it wasn't a problem. You see, Marshall was five and a half point underdogs. Had Buffalo kicked the field goal and none of that had happened... If you had bet on Marshall, you'd have won the game. You'd have won your bet. You could have cashed in. Had a nice hearty little bonus. Also, I just realized this game was actually played on... That was a Christmas Day game, so... Would have been a nice little Christmas present for you. But, no. Granted, if you bet on Buffalo... That would have been a really nice Christmas present for you. Marshall tries to score with the minute they have left. They get close, but no cigar. Game over. Buffalo wins it. The day after, Saturday, December 26th, you got the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl, which the previous year was canceled because of weather stuff. But it wasn't canceled this year. 
Uh, number 19, ULL, beat uh, UTSA 31-24. to This was a great season for the Cajuns. Like, honestly, holy crap, they came out of nowhere. I mean, they beat Iowa State, a top 10 team, by 17. Yeah, 31-14. to So, and that just makes total sense when you saw how Iowa State was being ranked by the playoff committee. God, that was stupid. Then you had the Liberty Coastal Carolina game, which was a game that was supposed to happen earlier in the season, but got canceled, and that was replaced with the BYU game. Uh, Coastal Carolina came in undefeated, ranked number 12 in the pointless poll. Hold on a minute. I need to double-check the AP poll real quick because we do not, as I've said before, we do not recognize the legitimacy of the college football playoff poll because it's evil. Come on. Where are you? Come on. AP Top 25. Thank you very much. Okay, so first of all, when I said that it was between... Okay. Here we go. So this was a game where Louisiana ULL was number 16. They were the number 16 team in the country. And they beat the, at the time, number tw- uh, who was now the number 12 team. Um, yeah. Anyway, the Liberty game was between number 23 Liberty and number 9 Coastal Carolina. Reminder, we do not accept the college football playoff rankings as legitimate. So, Liberty was winning the game, and then they nearly lost it in the stupidest way possible. This was, by the way, the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl. So, Liberty has the ball, and they're trying to run out the clock. And then they run the ball, and then they lose the ball. And Coastal Carolina gets it. They score a touchdown. I think it was a touchdown. Either way, they score the game tying points. So we go to overtime. And then Liberty, they kick a field goal. They got the ball first. Coastal tries to score, fails. Liberty wins 37-34. to Unfortunate, because I wanted to see Coastal Carolina win, and I do not want to see Liberty win football games. I have very good reasons for that, and if you know what those reasons are, <laughs> yeah. Let's just say I don't like Liberty. The university. Then there was the Lending Tree Bowl. That was between Georgia State and Western Kentucky. No, I didn't watch this. No, I didn't care about it. It ended 39-21 to Georgia State. That's all we need to say about it. Not all these games were worth talking about. Here's a game that was worth talking about between... Because it says something on here that is highly untrue. Between unranked Oklahoma State and number 18 Miami. Not not what that says where Oklahoma State is ranked. They're not ranked. Not according to the AP poll. The only legitimate poll that we listen to. And Oklahoma State won it 37-34 to in the Cheez-It Bowl. The best bowl name on the planet. Yeah, I didn't actually get a chance to watch this game. You're unfortunately going to be hearing that about a lot of games because didn't really have... Hey, what can I say? I was busy doing other things. But, you know, Oklahoma State looks like they played a good game. Hey, their quarterback threw four touchdowns. That's, a, that's usually a good sign of things. 
This ends a season for Miami that, frankly, was overhyped to begin with, though. Let me tell you something. Just because they have all of this and all of that doesn't mean they're a great football team. De'Ara King is coming back for next season, which is a very smart move because you are not getting drafted this year. Not in the first round. You're not a first rounder yet. Maybe next year you could do it because I don't know exactly what the quarterback class is supposed to look like. Spencer Rapp. Oh, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Hey, you never know. Maybe De'Ara King will actually be better next year, but Miami was way too overhyped this year which is a common theme, it seems. Once uh, North Carolina curb-stomped them on their home field, yeah, it was over for them. It was over for them. I mean, Clemson beating the crap out of them was one thing. That's Clemson. They kind of do that to everybody. Especially when they have their everyone out there. Like, okay, fine, they lost to Notre Dame in triple overtime when they didn't have their starting middle linebacker and their starting quarterback, meaning they didn't have their starting QBs. Because the middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. Then, you had, in another game, where is Texas? Number 20, Texas, versus Colorado, who was ranked in the not-ranked column. And Texas won it in the Valero Alamo Bowl, 55-23. Well then. Not too bad. Not too bad. Wait a minute. Casey Thompson. Huh, Texas didn't even have Sam Ellinger out there. I think he's been injured or something. I don't even remember. Okay, then you have games that I actually know about. Do we start with the Cotton Bowl? Or do we go with the game that happened earlier? I'll give you a hint. So we're going to talk about the Duke's Mayo Bowl between Wisconsin and Wake Forest. It happened. It was a 42-28 to game. But that's not what you want to hear about, of course. Or that's not what was important. Two things. First of all, unfortunately, no one got a mayo bath. The Cheez-It Bowl, uh, they actually had like a Gatorade bucket, but filled with Cheez-Its to dump on the coach. This needs to happen more often. Like the Sun Bowl last year, uh, Herm Edwards got doused with uh, dry cereal because it was the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which is like... This is perfect. Now, granted, I can see why they didn't do mayo. Mayo is kind of icky. But it was just water in the bucket. <laughs> That's saddening. You should have used mayo. Mayo would have been terrible. But also funny. Yeah, imagine trying to get that out. Could be worse, though. You could, like, drop the trophy during the celebration. Seriously, how the hell do you do that? This is, legitimately, this will happen. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Wisconsin players, they're just dancing around with the trophy in the uh, locker room. And then they smash it, which raises me two questions. Number one, y'all not going to be careful with that trophy? You do realize it's glass. And number two, why would you ever make a glass trophy? Why would you make something so fragile? I mean, I get it. It's supposed to be like a big time deal, but like, you don't think you want to make like a couple versions of it? You don't want to do something about that? Come on, they're going to do something stupid with it. We all know that. But yeah, that happened. Were there any other games? Unfortunately, we must now talk about the funniest game of all time. Funny in the sense of lol Kyle Trask. <laughs> now, unfortunately, the Heisman voters had already done their voting prior to this game. Had they not done that, Kyle Trask wouldn't have been in that room. Or, I'm sorry, wouldn't have been on any ballots, really. You see, here's what happened. 
Oklahoma beat Florida. Oklahoma was ranked number eight. Florida was ranked number 10. So this was eight versus 10, not six versus seven. A reminder of what I've said a million times. I have to remind myself. So Oklahoma won 55 to 20 because Kyle Trask shat the bed in that game. It was so bad, he got pulled in the first quarter for Emory Jones. Who boy. Um, yeah, okay, so a ton of guys opted out of that game for Florida. I get I get it. A lot of players tend to be opting out of games these days, because these games are kind of meaningless at this point, when there's a lot more at stake, which is money for your family and your future. Huh. But I think that Kyle Trask had mentally opted out of that game. Look, I get you didn't have Kyle Pitts. You didn't have a lot of these other guys, but, like, really? Hey, Oklahoma players are not your wide receivers. So why'd you throw three picks? It was absolutely terrible. It was a runaway from the start. Spencer Rattler came out there and decided to tear apart the Florida defense or whatever was left of it after the opt-outs. Now, there are questions about Dan Mullen's future at Florida. I don't know why there are questions about Dan Mullen's future at Florida. Because the answer should be no. The answer to the question, should Dan Mullen be considered the head coach at Florida for next year, is no, he shouldn't be. And I will... Hey, look, it's the first random rant of this thing. How long have I been talking for? Oh, only 17 minutes. Good. This isn't necessarily for padding. This is necessary for me to talk about things. So Dan Mullen needs to get out of there. He's not building a good culture at Florida. It ain't a culture of winning. It ain't a culture of stability. And it isn't a culture of, like, good players. Dan Mullen is an idiot. Dan Mullen needs to be out of college football. Why is that? Because of how he managed some major situations this year. I think it's finally time, and I've mentioned these small things before, but considering this is like a bowl season, hey, their season's over, roundup, let me just actually talk about it. So, y'all remember uh, the first thing he did. The first thing he did was he wanted the swamp to be packed for one of their games during a pandemic. You know that's irresponsible to say, right? Not even Dabo Sweeney has said anything like that. He hasn't said anything like that. Has he thought things like that? Oh, almost certainly. A lot of coaches have thought things like that. They really wish they could play in full stadiums. But what you said was we need to pack the swamp. Meaning we should throw caution to the wind and throw logic to the wind and do this so that we can win a football game. Dude, do you understand that that's stupid? I hope you do. But this is Dan Mullen we're talking about. And it wasn't the stupidest thing he did. However, it was the first of a series of stupid things. Okay. Because look, like, yeah, there were coaches that were saying stupid shit like that. Fine. I can, I will say this. I can excuse it. Because a lot of people have been saying so much stupid shit. And you did so much worse that that thing is so less. It's so much lesser than what you did with the Missouri game. Now, we all remember the Missouri game, right? Well, if in case you don't, um, and not the LSU-Missouri game, by the way. I don't want to remember that game, please. Anyway, it's the Florida-Missouri game. They play each other every year because Florida and Missouri are both members of the SEC East. Yes, take with that what you will, considering that the University of Missouri is farther west 
than Alabama. Whatever. They needed to do it for balance. It doesn't matter. Here's what matters. So it's going into halftime. And some players are a little heated, to say the least, and they start doing this fight thingy. Unfortunately, this is a football game. This is not a hockey game. And even then, in college, hockey fights are bad. They will break up hockey fights in college, because it's not acceptable. Um, well, here's the thing. Dan Mullen does not do anything to try and quell this thing. You gotta go over and you gotta pull off your players. I get all of that. But you need to make your players feel like crap for that. You need to get on your players for doing that. You need to not encourage them to do things like that. Do you know what is not any of the things I just mentioned? Waving your hands up and down in an attempt to pump up the crowd following a fight. Really? Really? That is the thing that came into your mind? You want to use a fight as a way to pump up the crowd to make everyone feel better to rah-rah your team? Do you have any idea how stupid you are for doing that? Uh, the SEC came back, uh, came back and fined you 25 grand for it. Now, in my opinion, $25,000 is a bit too little, considering they fined Lane Kiffin $25,000 for openly talking about a bad call that the SEC admitted was a bad call. Which, also in my opinion, Lane Kiffin should not have been fined for saying, hey, I disagree with this call, or hey, the refereeing decision that you made was very bad, especially after you acknowledge, yeah, we agree, it was a bad decision. He isn't just criticizing the officials. He's agreeing with you. He's bringing about things that are normal. He should be allowed to do that. I don't care whether you justify it or not, by the way. You're a head coach. They should be allowed to say things. They shouldn't be allowed to bash officials. They shouldn't be allowed to be like, oh, this official should never work a game again. No, that's unacceptable. But saying that the call was bad, you could, you should be able to say that. It's football. Games can be won or lost on a call. Especially in college football, where momentum swings on a dime, where you, like, a call can be the difference between possession and non-possession. Where in college, like, the competitive balance isn't as much as it is in the NFL. That's important. You shouldn't be finding him. And then you find him $25,000 for that? That seems a bit steep. But then, it seems even worse when you hear that a guy who was literally inciting a crowd to cheer when his team was in the midst of a fight, or in the end of a fight, you're going to find that guy twenty-five grand for doing something that should be a lot more? How about this? Don't find Lane Kiffin. Or if you're going to find him, find him like 5K. Make it a minor offense. Because when you do it that way, you're not doing anything right. I know this is supposed to be a thing on Dan Mullen, but unfortunately I got to talk about the SEC because the SEC is a piece of shit. And Greg Sankey needs to get the hell out of there. And I think any SEC fan will tell you Greg Sankey is a terrible commissioner. Is he the worst commissioner? No, because Larry Scott still has a job, unfortunately. But Sankey, who baby... Ooh, Greg Sankey, you son of a bitch. I don't know how the heck you sleep at night sometimes. Because you honestly sometimes, it seems like you do not have a moral fiber. Because one of those two things should have been fined. And it was not dude calling out your officials for screwing up. 
It was dude doing something that you could have suspended him for. I'm not even kidding you. If I were the university, I would have suspended him for a game. Do you know why I would have suspended him for a game? That kind of behavior isn't acceptable at any level of any sport. No, there is, there is one level. You could do it if this is a pro wrestling match. This ain't pro wrestling, this is college football. The only difference is that in college football, um, it isn't scripted. That's the only major difference. Y'all think about that for a couple seconds while I move on. Uh, Dan Mullen should have been suspended for that next game. But you know what? He wasn't. Should have been fined more. I'd say 50000 Maybe the SEC has a cap that they can only fine coaches up to $25,000. To which I would say, okay, fine then. Why'd you fine Lane Kiffin that much? Maybe you should have fined him like $5,000. Slap on the wrist. Small thing. What Dan Mullen did was something worth firing a coach over. Seriously, it's that egregious. Where... If it was a part of a pattern of behavior, you could point to it as something that was easily worthy of uh, termination. But no. No, he still goes on. He's still coaching. But he doesn't have one of those incidents anymore. No. And in fact, we will talk about another incident like that later on. But he keeps coaching. They keep doing things. And then the LSU game happens. The LSU game. Yes. The cleat yeet, as it's known, in which a player whose name is Marco Wilson, I will name him because he is a public figure now, he will be signing with an agency, um, hopefully he isn't as stupid as he was on that night, or has been in prior games, I want him to do better, but he didn't do good that night, he did not do good things for his team, and then Dan Mullen comes out. And he speaks to the media, like all coaches do. And he's asked about it, because, you know, it kind of sort of cost him the game. And he says he wasn't exactly aware of it. Sir, there was an announcement in the stadium, uh, throwing a player's shoe 20 yards. So, or 20 feet. You knew about it. Now granted, did he know the player that did it? Possibly not, because the referee did announce the wrong number. But then... Okay, fine. That's the night of. That's the night of. You'll have a chance to look over it. You'll have a chance to review it. You'll have a chance to do things about it. Next day, he starts defending it. You're defending that action. You are defending the action of an idiot player throwing another player's shoe. Look, he tried to... And here's what the excuse that he gave was. It was an act uh, like normal to football. He was just celebrating. Here's the problem I have with that statement. If he had thrown it and it didn't, and it was like one of those things where, oh, he clearly like, whoa, wait, what just happened? Oh, crap. Because you know when you've screwed up. You know when a player looks like, oh, God, what did I just do there? Oh, God, no, that was so stupid. Oh, I feel like an idiot. He didn't look like he felt like an idiot. He just went on minding his own damn business. And then when he saw the flags, he's like, wait, what happened? No, 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 no. It was a premeditated act once he had the shoe. Because he had, like, a couple seconds to look at it. And your brain has enough time to note you have a shoe in your hand. And note, I shouldn't throw this. But no. His brain said, I should throw this shoe. Dan Mullen, the head coach, says, that's ah, fine. A player throwing a shoe, getting the stupidest unsportsmanlike conduct penalty ever that was warranted, I should add. Because I've seen stupider that were not warranted. But this one was definitely warranted. 
Um, getting one of those, and you defend it. You, A, defend it. Oh my god. That's bad enough. You don't bench him the next game. You don't bench him for the next game. How do you not bench him for the next game? You do realize what he did just cost you a playoff spot. 100%. You're out of the playoffs no matter what. Because you lost that game. I don't care if, yeah, they should have won that game because missed field goal, this, that, and the other thing. That major play cost you it. Cost you a chance to be in position to have a tie game to kick a field goal to win it. Okay? So why do you not bench him? Not only do they not bench him, I think he's one of the captains in the SEC championship game. Really? Really. Suspend him. Suspend him for the game. Don't suspend him for the game. Suspend him for any period of time. Let me tell you this. You ever played NCAA football? You ever played NCAA football? Um, well, sometimes what happens is, and I've played like the older version of it, like 2004 or 2005, and in it, Uh, There are times when you have to discipline your players because they got into a fight during practice or, uh, like, something homework-wise. And I never have had, like, a player commit a stupid, unsportsmanlike conduct. But let's say this were in that video game. If he had done that, you would have had to suspend him because in the game that I'm remembering, like, there are these discipline points and you have to use enough of them for it to be considered satisfactory. You know what enough discipline points to be satisfactory in that situation would be? At least a half. At the very least, a half. Yeah, and I'm saying at the very, 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 very least. That's a punishment. That's a very, very... like That's not enough of a punishment in my opinion. Enough of a punishment in my opinion would be to kick his ass off the team. And I'm not even kidding with you. That kind of crap is not acceptable as a football player. How are you not getting any sort of discipline from your coach? From anybody? What you did cost your team a football game. What your team did cost your team a chance at a playoff spot. What you did cost your team a first down. In that moment, too. Like, there's no way it's acceptable for you not to discipline that player. Once you hear about what Dan Mullen's been doing with that, it's like, oh, he can't coach this team. There's no way he should be coaching this football team. The administration needs to be looking at getting rid of his ass. He can't win. Oh my goodness gracious, like, he brought us to the uh, SEC championship game. Yeah, but he's not good for your culture. He is a toxin to your culture. Remember when I was talking about uh, Doug Peterson? Uh, For, like, what's it been, like, over an hour at this point? I've talked about Doug Peterson being toxic. There's a difference in levels of toxicity. The type of toxicity that I'm talking about with Dan Mullen in this football program is that he does not do any sort of discipline with his players. He allows them to get away with stupid things, and then he acts as a bad example so that they know they can get away with it because he's going to do the same stupidity. You do not pump up the crowd during a fight. You know what that's going to lead to? One of your players having a stupid moment where they lash out. And it's acceptable to you. That unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, that cleat yeet, that was the result of something you should have prevented. After that fight, I can't believe nothing clicks with him. You know what? Don't pump your arms. If you're not pumping your arms, you're staying with your team. You are getting on their asses. You are like, what the hell are you idiots doing? What was that shit? That was Bush League. You talk to them like, hey, you're better than this. 
I know you're better than this. Everybody else knows you're better than this. So why the hell don't you act like you're better than this? It's a simple idea. It's called discipline. Players need to have it. Because if they don't have it, then they aren't going to play good football. They're going to screw up in situations they should not be screwing up. And they're going to make, quote unquote, this wasn't a mistake. I, I just, I, I got to stop calling it that. Throwing a player's shoe 20 feet, that is not a mistake. A mistake is something you do because you didn't know any better. Okay? A mistake is accidentally running the wrong route because the communication was wrong. That's a mistake. It's acceptable. You can make up for a mistake. Throwing a player's shoe 20 yards, 20 feet, whatever, that is not a mistake. That is a deliberate act. It is not something that can be easily rectified with an apology or with making up somehow, some way. You knew what the hell you were doing in that instance. Um, that is on purpose. That's a deliberate act. And you should be disciplined for it. You should not be playing on that football team. If I were Dan Mullen, after that incident, I bench Marco Wilson the rest of the game. Oh yeah, did I mention that he kept playing the rest of the game? Yeah. So not only did he not suspend him or do anything to him after the incident in another game, they left him in the game. They let him keep playing. I get you need to win that game, but guess what? There are some things that are more important than winning a game, and that is making sure your player knows they, they did something that is inexcusable. That they learn their lesson, that they become better for it, so that they don't do the same stupid shit again. Otherwise, you should not be handling this football team. But you know what's going to happen with this? Now granted, I've heard that there's a little bit of a scurry there. We'll see if Dan Mullen keeps his job. He probably will. Brent Venables is going to get fired. Granted, that's because Brent Venables doesn't know how to run a defense. Brent Venables should not get to be the scapegoat in this. Dan Mullen is another reason for this. He didn't have control over his players. He doesn't have control over their discipline. If he doesn't step it up next year, there's going to be another fight. Something stupid is going to happen. And I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, so let's see what else we got on this. Then we have December 31st. Sorry that took so long. Oh, actually, no. It makes sense because it flows right ne- uh, nicely into another thing. Ball State versus San Jose State. San Jose State was ranked number 19. Ball State came into the game 0-7 all-time in bowl games. Ball State came out of the game 1-7 all-time in bowl games. They ended the longest uh, losing streak in bowl game history. Uh, Now that belongs to a bunch of teams that have gone 0-2 in bowl games. Uh, Ball State won 34-13 to end a magical season for San Jose State, uh, their best season since like the 1940s. They were an undefeated team. They beat Boise State to win the Mountain West. It was awesome. And then you had Mississippi State, who beat Tulsa, who was ranked number 22. They beat Tulsa 28-26. to Oh, by the way, the um, Ball State game was the Offer Pad Arizona Bowl. This game is the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Funny how it was sponsored by a military company, because guess how this game ended? A post-game brawl. So Mississippi State wins at 28-26. to I didn't exactly watch the game, uh, but I saw the brawl. Now, one thing to note about this. 
uh, Mike Leach didn't see the brawl happening because he was taking pictures with fans. Now, I'm not going to say that's inexcusable. Here's why I'm not going to say it's inexcusable. This is a different situation. If there were crowds, you would have heard audible gasps. There would have been, like, audio cues. You would have been able to hear that something bad was going down. Mike Leach wouldn't have expected his players to get into a fight because, you know, they're better than that, right? You would have expected them to be better than that. So, of course, he doesn't know about it. If he's got nothing to tell him that, he's going to assume, yeah, my players are well-behaved. They've shown it to me all season. I've shown that I have no tolerance for stupidity. So, yeah. But no, they got into some stupidity. Stupid post-game brawl. How the hell do you let this happen? And it's not on Mike Leach, I mean, who let this happen. I mean, players, what are you doing? Why are you fighting? What is the point of this? What is this going to accomplish? Well, let me tell you how it happened. Because remember how I said there's a bit of a discipline thing that he's got under control? One small little thing. The guy who started it committed basically assault on the field. Basically committed assault. Not literally committed assault, but basically assaulted a guy. Oh, if only we could have found out that guy had, and I can't remember his name. If only we knew that guy had discipline troubles with his DUI arrest before the season. This guy's had several run-ins with police, and it wasn't over minor things. It was like a DUI. And you know what that usually tells you? This guy doesn't have great judgment. This guy's been in prison several times, and it's been for violent stuff. What the hell is he still doing at Mississippi State? What's he still doing on the team? That's a lesser question. What's he still doing enrolled at the university? How is he still enrolled at the university? That's what breaks me. Like, that's not enough? I mean, honestly, I don't know how, like, they would get him out or kick him out because, like, you need a good reason to do that usually. But, really? Really. Just, how? How in the world? Does he still manage to be on the team? <sighs> Sorry, I have to pick a soccer game. I have now picked a soccer game. So, yeah. Stupid that he was still on the team. So bad. Hope things get better, but he needs to be kicked off. Then you had West Virginia and Army in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, and West Virginia won 24-21. Uh... Thankfully, Army got to play in a bowl game. They had deserved it. Oh, I'm not going to talk about the playoff semifinals just yet. I'll get to those and then the national championship. I'll save those games for last. Georgia beat Cincinnati. Georgia came into the game ranked number 11. Cincinnati came in ranked number 6. Georgia won the game 24-21. to They got a last-second field goal uh, and then a safety at the end to make the score not 22. I'm saying not not 22 to 21, yes. I had to do the numbers in my head real quick. Cincinnati played a good game. They played a damn good game. Uh, their offense just sputtered at certain points. Yes, I did watch this game, so I can tell you about it. Um, their offense was sputtering. At, at points, they desperately needed them not to have that happen. And that just didn't help them at all. They had to do a bit more. Their kicker had a field goal blocked. That really hurt. Really did hurt. Their defense, at the end of the game, Georgia just started to find a little bit of a rhythm, move the ball down the field, got it into field goal range. It was a 53-yarder, and the kicker hadn't made one beyond 51. Clutch. Just clutch. Absolutely drilled it. 
was a beautiful kick. Um, sucks. It just really sucks because uh, Cincinnati had gone through such a great season. Their head coach is back, but their uh, looks like the defensive coordinator's leaving. He got a job at LSU. Yeah, too bad. Ah, uh, well. And by too bad, I mean <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Then you had the Northwestern versus Auburn game. Northwestern came into the game ranked number 15. Auburn did not come into the game ranked. Northwestern won 35-19 in the Vitro Citrus Bowl. The other game, by the way, was the Peach Bowl. Um, So Auburn had an interesting situation. They have an interim head coach uh, before their new head coach comes in. And their interim head coach is Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele, their defensive coordinator. Although he didn't really do much of the interim head coach thing as he decided, I'm going to be smart about this. But he wasn't smart about this. He decided to divvy up the uh, duties so that he would stick with the off uh, the defense. Their OC would stick with the offense and uh, their special team. They'd have a guy for special teams. Yeah, so it was like a three-headed uh, monster. That was totally going to work. They lost 35-19. to 19. No, it wasn't going to work. They didn't have any sort of organizational structure going on with that game. Oh, well. Northwestern's a good team. Their head coach, um, he's apparently gotten offers from pro teams. So we'll see how that goes. Then you had the, um, the Orange Bowl, which was... Yeah, that was interesting, to say the least. Holy cow, that game went back and forth. Uh... That was a late night game, by the way. Uh, Texas A&M won over North Carolina, forty-one to twenty-seven. Uh, was a really fun game to watch, though. Just A&M, though, they went off in the fourth quarter, scored twenty-four points, and uh, they did it. Really well done game by both teams. Uh, it was fun, really fun. I don't know what else to do about it because I don't exactly. I don't know, just fun. Another game, Iowa State and Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. Iowa State won 34-17. Oregon just didn't look good at all, especially in the second half. Um, They were a 4-2 team, and they played like a 4-2 team. It was not pretty. Then you had Ole Miss beating Indiana in the Outback Bowl, 26-20. Indiana came into the game ranked number 7. So it was a huge win. Ole Miss got to 500. Um, by the way, interesting thing happened in that game. So Ole Miss had a quarterback named John Rice Plumley. He's not a quarterback now because he was playing wide receiver. They're, they're looking to apparently convert him to wide receiver, which is quite interesting. I thought he was a great quarterback, but he didn't look too terrible as a wide receiver. Like, yeah, he needs some work. He does need a lot of work. But I think he could possibly fit into the position nicely if he just gets more reps in. We'll see about it. He's very athletically gifted. Indiana just is unfortunate. They just couldn't get things going. They just could not get things going, especially against an Ole Miss defense that gives up yards, like, way too easily. Then you had Kentucky beating NC State in the Gator Bowl. Um, yeah, 23-21. to Game-winning touchdown towards the end of the game. It was a good win for uh, Kentucky. But now let's go to those college football playoff semifinals. First one was Alabama versus Notre Dame. 31-14 victory for Alabama over Notre Dame because Notre Dame was getting outmatched. 
That game early looked like it was going to be an absolute blowout. It ended up being only a 17-point game. I don't know how it was only a 17-point game, because Alabama should have blown them out by, like, 30. That's how bad uh, Notre Dame looked at points. I think the only reason this game was any close was that Notre Dame was just holding on to the ball for a long time, so Alabama didn't have that chance to score. But Devontae Smith had another monster game. Uh, he won the Heisman for a reason. He was great. Then you had Ohio State and Clemson. Now, um, I thought Clemson was going to win this game. I thought they'd win this game pretty handily. Then Justin Fields decided to go monster mode. Yeah, hi. Let me explain something to you. Justin Fields is a good quarterback. Very good quarterback. But Ohio State had a mission. And their mission was to beat Clemson to death. They did a pretty good job of that. They absolutely destroyed Clemson's defense. They took them to school. They ab Look, Dabo's comments probably didn't help things. It didn't help that already they had the chip on their shoulder from last year's game, but when Dabo just kept talking shit, like, come on. Do you not understand they already hate you? You're really only making things worse for yourself. They got to Trevor Lawrence. The whole offense for Clemson just fell apart in that game. The whole offense fell apart. Um, I think it's their offensive coordinator was out in that game. So they had another guy doing it. That might have been a major factor into why that game went the way it did. Because that offensive play caller does a damn good job. And it might be smart, I think. Um, if the Jaguars are looking for an offensive coordinator, they might want to just poach uh, Clemson's. You want to put Trevor Lawrence in a good system? Put him in the system he was already running. It clearly worked out for him. I'd say that'd be a good uh, good move, good match. But yeah, and Justin Fields was... He got injured on a targeting call, which, by the way, you guys, dear people who didn't think that was targeting, someone did a very good job of explaining how bad it was by showing it next to a Vontez Perfect hit. That was one of those egregious fouls that got him ejected, I think, for unnecessary roughness. Or suspended, at least. Um, actually, I think it was one of those hits in the uh, Bengals-Steelers playoff game. It was that bad. Yeah. So, you want to know what targeting looks like? That's a pretty good definition of targeting. Leading with the crown of the helmet. Yeah, Skalski getting ejected twice in the last two games he's played in the Superdome. Heh. <sighs> Just don't lead with your head. It's not hard. You hit him in the kidneys, dude. Basically. You hit him in the back pretty hard. And Fields was... He was in a lot of pain. But then again, so was the rest of your defense. Because holy crap, he was just torching you. Like, after that, you apparently activated his beast mode. Where it was like, okay, fine then. We'll see how well that works out for you. Hi, my name is... Um... How did Trevor Lawrence have more yardage? And eh, it doesn't matter. Because, like... What was it? Four? Five touchdowns? It was insane. They absolutely wiped the floor with them. I've never seen that happen. Brent Venable's defense did not look like they knew a thing out there. Wow. Just wow. Utter destruction. The last time Clemson looked this bad, when it comes to any game really, especially on defense, we're talking about the game that they that really forced Clemson to hire Brent Venables, which was the 70-33 Orange Bowl game against West Virginia. Yeah, that's how bad I think this game was. 
you, you have to look back to that game to see the last time Clemson was beaten that hard. So now, we have been talking for almost 50 minutes, which is about where I wanted this to be, because we are now going to talk about the national championship game between number one, Alabama, and number three, Ohio State. Hold on one second. Between number one, Alabama, and number three, Ohio State. Yeah, they usually tend to sync them up. So, here are my thoughts. Yeah, Alabama's going to win this game. I've already said it. Alabama's going to win this game. They're too good. Their offense is too good. Their offensive line is too good. Everything about them is too good. Are they better than last year's LSU team? No. Have they been more of a juggernaut in games? Yeah. They've played like a juggernaut. LSU's team last year didn't play like a juggernaut in every single one of their games. Uh, And granted, neither did Alabama this year. Not in every single one of them. The Notre Dame game being a very good example of that. And also, Florida kept it tight against Alabama, which was not something that should have been allowed to happen. Because Florida was not a good enough team to make that game tight. And yes, I know Alabama led for all of that game, unless it was a tie game. Like, I think Alabama scored, and then they kept the lead for the rest of the game. So, yeah. Still shouldn't have been that close, though. Alabama's been on fire. Ohio State, they're good. They're very good. They showed it against Clemson. I don't know if they can do it. I think they have the potential to do it. I'm not saying it's going to be impossible. Uh, And this will be a high-scoring affair. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be a blowout. But then again, whatever the definition of a blowout is depends on who you are. For me, a blowout is like 28 points. I think... Uh, this game's going to be like within a couple scores, but I think Bama handles them. Look, you have to hope that Fields is healthy. You have to hope that you, their whole COVID situation gets cleaned up because they've got that whole thing going for them. Uh, and Alabama, by the way, I'm just going to say, um, you also have to hope that uh, Ohio State isn't as motivated to beat the crap out of you as they were against Clemson. They probably don't have that same chip. But they still don't like you. They still want to beat you. They know they can do it. That's the thing about it. I'm not saying Ohio State can't do it. They have the talent to do it. They have the personnel to do it. It's just that I think Alabama is a better team. They're better run. Try covering Devontae Smith. Okay, Henry Ruggs is supposed to be back for this game. Uh, Yeah, you're going to have problems. If you had problems against Northwestern's run defense, you're going to have a problem with Najee Harris. It's not going to be a blowout, but it's going to be a tough game for Ohio State. Um, But I could see Ohio State winning it. The only ways I see Ohio State winning it, A, offense goes off. They score, they score a lot, they score, but they don't score quickly. That's important. The reason that... Notre Dame didn't get clobbered, came down to time of possession. So you can't get those deep strikes all the time. Sometimes you have to get sustained five, six, seven-minute drives to keep the ball away from Devontae Smith, to keep the ball away from Henry Ruggs, to keep the ball away from Najee Harris. You have to play a time of possession game, and your defense needs to step it up. You need to put Mac Jones under pressure. He's not good under pressure. He likes to have time in the pocket. If he doesn't have time in the pocket, that's where things get more difficult for him because he doesn't make exactly the most incredible decisions. He's also not that good in tight windows. 
Granted, he doesn't have to throw into tight windows often because he's got Devontae Smith, who's like wide open. And if Henry Ruggs is out there, he's wide open too. He's got two guys, and at least one of them, plus Najee Harris if you want to put him out on a wheel route. You got all these weapons. You need to be able to stop Mac Jones from having any time. The problem with that is Alabama has the best offensive line in football. In college football this year, they're going to win the Joe Moore Award. If they haven't already won it, they're going to win that award. They are insanely good. They're insanely talented. They got like two or three NFL guys on there. I'm sorry, first round guys on there. Like, Panay Sewell is obviously the top offensive lineman. There are guys on Alabama's offensive line that I think are going to be good enough. If, oh no, you didn't get Panay Sewell, but you need some guy. Well, look at their O-line and take your pick. Which one do you need? Alrighty, that's what you need to do. I just don't think it's that difficult to gauge that. Look at how much time uh, Mac Jones has had. Mac Jones isn't exactly the greatest quarterback. But when you have five seconds to throw the ball, you can get whatever you need done. So that is going to do it here um, for this special episode of Gold to Go. Um, So here is the thing about how things are going to work for the remaining schedule. I'm not exactly sure of how I'm going to... I'm thinking about how I'm going to do things for the playoffs... So, like, NFL playoffs, of course, uh, the wild card games. And I'm thinking I might do a two-point conversion about each game, um, but, like, each day of games. So, what I mean by that is, on Sunday, I might do an episode, and then on Monday, I'll just do an episode on the Saints game. Uh, and then, yeah, that might be more difficult than you think. So, yeah, don't... Don't look for that. Um, instead, two-point conversion is going to come out on Monday. Then another goal to go is going to come out on Thursday. And then we'll see from there. Um, but yeah. So, until next time. My name is Ben Schluter. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at capital B-E-N, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital S-P-O-R-T-S. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram at bschluterla. I've been Ben Schluter. This has been a special episode of Goal to Go. And until next time, bye-bye.